Well, once again, I want to welcome everyone to Race Talks. I'm really grateful that y'all have devoted your presence and time um, to, to this uh, thing that we do. we do call Race Talks. This is the second official talk and the third week, really, that we've been doing Race Talks um, for this year, and this is the fifth year that we've been doing this. Would you raise your hand if any of you are here like as tech students for the very first time you've ever been to Race Talks before? Very good. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad that you are here. Um, I mean, I'm glad every one of you is here, but especially those of you that this is your first night. Um, I know that we've already made a pitch for this, but I just want to reiterate that um, while what, what is going to be said this evening, um, both by Reverend Willie as well as in our discussion, is going to be good and fruitful, um, we do these talks with the assumption that they need to be digested in Christian community and in real relationship with one another. And so I want to strongly encourage you, if you're not already involved in a small group, at the Wesley Foundation to find one of those people who raised their hand earlier um, and or to sign up um, on one of our small group sheets that's over here in this room before you leave this evening. All right, so here's an introduction to uh, our speaker this evening. Um, this evening we're joined by Reverend Willie Young. He and his wife Gussie, who's here as well, are lifelong residents of Claiborne Parish where they raised three children and Reverend Willie is the founding as well as the current pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. He also is the current president of the Claiborne Parish Democratic Party. He's a graduate of United Theological Seminary and Bible College, as well as the current director um, of the Homer campus of that same institution, um, the United Theological Seminary and Bible College. And he also attended Grambling State University. Um, I believe Gussie actually is a tech grad. Is that, is that right? Yeah, very good. So, um, and although Reverend Willie is a preacher, his current and past work extend far beyond the parish and the pulpit. He has, for over 20 consecutive years, served as the Claiborne Parish Police Juror in District 10. He previously served as chaplain for the Northwest Regional Hospice. He worked as deputy sheriff for the Claiborne Parish Sheriff's Department. He served on the Claiborne Parish School Board as a student counselor at Homer Junior High, uh, as well as having served, this is a past position if I'm, if I'm correct, um, as the president of the Claiborne Parish NAACP. Is that correct? Very good. Beyond all of that, Reverend Willie has and continues to serve and has, as well as has led on a very long list of community service, economic, educational, law enforcement, and peacemaking organizations and associations. Um, at least one of which I believe he is going um, to, to share about and tell us the story of this evening. Um, in case you're wondering how we have the privilege of having him with us here this evening, um, it was our very own McCall Heckle who, who tipped us off um, to Reverend Willie, um, as well as um, as her family, um, who was also here. Raise your hand if you're in any way related to McCall. These folks. Yes. Some of them are tentative and some of them are proud about that. But, um, and I will just say that um, although uh, Reverend Willie and I haven't had a whole lot of conversation, we did have a 30 or 45 minute phone conversation, I guess a couple weeks ago now. And it is uh, genuinely one of, the, one of the most edifying conversations I've had in a really long time. Um, and something that, and by, by edifying, I mean that I was happier to be alive after that conversation than I was before and was reminded of the reality of, of the Holy Spirit at work 
in this world. And um, I'm sure that we will experience more of the same this evening. And so without further ado, um, please welcome Reverend Willie. Thank you uh, so much, Ryan, for that wonderful uh, introduction. I tell you, I'm just excited to be here this evening. I, I'm so impressed and so inspired by what I see. And uh, McCall, your grandfather would be so humbly proud of you. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to visit the White House twice. I was there when President George Bush was there. I had an opportunity to go. They had uh, Black History Month and uh, Smoky Northport and uh, Mary Mary and several other gospel singers were there and it was a blessing. It was a blessing to sit about five seats from um, the president. I had an opportunity to go when President Barack Obama was inaugurated. One of the most marvelous uh, times that I've ever had. I was so celebrated. Uh, I was so elated uh, to see our first black president. And I thought that was the highlight of my life. But here tonight, it's something different. It's, it's rewarding. It's uplifting. And I know that, and I'm fighting back tears because I know it's the Lord that has put this together. You all are so organized. Oh my God, can you give yourself a hand there? Come on, come on. <laughs> I mean, the Lord said, you know, he talks about do all things in decency and in order. And as I, Gus and I walked in and everybody was so nice and so compassionate and so loving and so kind. And then all young folks, uh, and uh, I'm overwhelmed. I, I am, I really am. And the White House was good when President Bush was there and when President Barack Obama was there. But this is something really special. And Psalms 107 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. McCall told me something about this ministry, but I had no idea that it was so... Uh, Profound. It is profound in a sense that you can feel God, you can see God, you can taste God, and God is doing a great work into this ministry. I asked uh, Ryan to place into his records Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through uh, 37. And the young lady that read that, would you just stand? Oh, you did such a beautiful job. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Such a beautiful job. And so I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be repetitive and read it again. 
but I just want to say that this is where our talk will come from. Uh, I think I need to ask the question, just how far are we as neighbors? Just how far are we as neighbors? Just how far are we as neighbors? And uh, the reason that scripture was branded in my mind is because a friend of mine who is going on to glory now, one evening, a group of us who are now called the Bridge Builders. It was a group of white and black. And we came together and we prayed and talked about the community and talked about race relationships. And this is the scripture that he read. Uh, uh, Laura Weaver, uh, who was my brother, my family member, He's a retired FBI guy. Uh, he was a Louisiana Tech graduate, uh, president of several banks. Uh, he was a father. He was a brother. Uh, he was a husband. But he was my neighbor. He was truly my friend. And I'm going to go out on a limb to say, other than Gussie, he was the best friend that I ever had. And I've been married to Gussie, the 23rd of June will be 43 years. I got to know Loy. I hadn't always known Loy until this bridge builder thing came along. Bridge builders, bridge builders. And, and he read that Luke chapter 10. The main purpose uh, of, uh, of being a good Samaritan is really to show how far we are and yet, we are neighbors. Show how far we are, but, but yet we are neighbors. And, and let's just take a closer look at the characters. I call them my main three characters of that, of that story. Number one, the master, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was teaching, and it was the sixth month, which immediately preceded the last Passover. And it was at this certain, this certain event which Jesus paid a short visit to Jerusalem at the Feast of Dedication. So the emphasis should be on Jesus, but there's another character, the lawyer, the lawyer, a certain lawyer. He is a teacher of the Mosaic law. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, He's called a stride. He's called a stride. He is a professional teacher. He's an expounder of the law. Matter of fact, he represented tradition. Some tradition is good, but then sometimes you need newness and freshness. But this lawyer represented tradition. And then thirdly, we see this Samarian. We see this Samarian, and uh, they, they prayed in Hebrew, but they adopted the Arabic as their, as their language after the, the Muslim conquest of 636 CE. They were descendant of the Israelites, but they intermarried to, to foreigners and, 
And, and the Jews did not look too favorable upon that. So I wanted to lay out those three characters there. The master, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The lawyer who was so inquisitive and, and so challenging and tried to test the master. Could you believe someone trying to test our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? But he did. And then Jesus uses a person who is looked down on, a person who no one wants to affiliate with, a person who was called even dogs sometimes. But he used the Samaritan. And I thought about these bridge builders of Claven Parish. We, we were people from all walks of life. We, we, made up, uh, we were made up of businessmen, of clergy, uh, law enforcement, educators, engineers, laborers, doctors, lawyers, truck drivers, cooks, fishermen, hunters, firemen, etc. I mean, we had about 25 whites when we first began and about maybe 18 blacks. And the reason I believe is because Lloyd was the one that organized the group, so he was able to get out ahead of all of us and they had more than we did. But we came together. We, we came together. We, we came together sometime, I mean, black and white. We, we came together, just like I'm seeing here, these, all these young folks. Oh, I am so, I am so full tonight. But as bridge builders, we came together. Sometimes we had the biggest fights in the whole wide world. We, we fought like cats and dogs. We did that. But, but, but we had, we managed to stay united. We managed to stay together. Now, ask yourself why with all of these, you, you think about lawyers and doctors and preachers in the same room. You're talking about egos. I mean, they was <laughs> everywhere. But they managed to stay together. We managed to stay together. We, we are together today. We hadn't met because of pandemic, but we're still together. Why? I tell you, because we all loved God. We all loved God, even when we didn't know how to love one another, even when we didn't know how to trust one another, even when we suspected each other to not be truthful about the mission that we was there. We all loved God. God. That was the one thing that was the glue that helped us together. And uh, we had some pretty tough times, but uh, I, believe, I believe in Psalms 33 1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. And I think that's what our world needs today is so much fighting and so much bickering. So much name calling. It's so depressing sometimes to even turn the television on. But we got one thing that the world don't have. We have Jesus. We have unity. And when he says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, that's a bond that you can't break. And we as bridge builders learn how 
to love one another. Didn't always. We had several things that happened that tried our faith. I can remember in uh, 1992, in April 1992, when the Rodney King beating took place. And we met that Monday night, I never see I forget. We met at our church, at my church. We met in the fellowship hall of our church. And no one wanted to bring it up. That was one issue that we didn't, but somebody brought it up. And all the whites said they could see why the policeman was beating Rodney. All the blacks said that they could not see why he got that beating. And we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then we would always eat. We would always pray and eat. So we prayed that night, and they made the mistake of letting me have the last prayer. And I must have worked on Lord, Lord the way I never worked on him before. God worked on him. So he called me. He said, Willie, in that prayer, what, what, what were you? I said, what, me? I said, I can't even remember what I prayed about, Lord. <laughs> he said, you know what? I said, what? He said, I'd like to come to your church Sunday and speak to your congregation. I said, oh, wait a minute. Mm-mm. No, not what I just heard about Rodney. Mm-mm. No. He said, but no, you got to trust me now. Because in the prayer, I closed by, Lord, bless them even if they can't see what we're going through. And I said, I believe I said, I guess they have to be black to feel what I feel. And so Lord called me. He said, Willie. He said, let me talk. I said, okay. So on Sunday morning, he gets up. He said, I want you to know, son, I love your pastor. He said, I'm not black can't feel what he feels. He said, but he's my friend, and if he's hurting, I'm hurting. Man, you, I bet you I felt that talk. He really humbled me because God had really worked on him, even though he wasn't black. At some point in his life, someone had bullied him. You ever had a bully in school make you feel, try to make you feel like, you know, you are not at some point, perhaps he's been bullied, but he said, I've never been black, I'll never be black. He said, but if Willie's hurting, I hurt. And he said to my congregation, he said, I love Willie. He said, I love him, number one, because he's always truthful. He said, I love him, number two, because I know he loved God, and I love God, too. And then something else happened in our bridge builders. In 2009, there was a man by the name of Mr. Ben Monroe. He was 73 years old. And his son was an alleged drug dealer. And the police was after his son, and his son ran through the house, and the police shot him. Shot the father, shot the old man, shot Mr. Monroe and killed him right there. And now you know this is a stand your ground state. So you know, you got a weapon, yeah. It's a stand your ground state. And, but this time, it was the white business people who came to me and said, Willie, and at that time I was president of the NAACP, and said, Willie, what can we do? We're going to have riots. We're going to have fighting in the street. What can we do? And they said to me, 
We understand why Mr. Monroe had a gun. We don't know what happened, but we understand why he had a gun, if he had a gun. The word was that he didn't have a gun, but there was a gun that was found there. Say, we understand, but Willie, what can we do? Well, I said, well, let me tell you what, what we can do. I was probably in the NAACP. I was eating at a Mexican restaurant in Shreveport, and I got the phone call that the old man had been shot, and he didn't have a gun. And I said, well, I called three people. First person I called was my brother, and I called one of the lieutenants, and I said, just keep everybody there who can be a witness. Second person I called was a lawyer. I called lawyer. I said, it's going to be trouble. I said, I can tell you it's going to be trouble. I said, I want you to talk to the white community, and, and I'll try to talk to the black community, and we'll try to keep things together. The third person I, I called, and I went to see was a man by the name of Duffy Gadney. Duffy and I was in the sheriff's department together, and Duffy had a way of dealing with people that I couldn't deal with. Um, how should I say and I know I'm being recorded, so I had to be real careful. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you how he said it. He used to say they were rednecks. That's what he used to say. <laughs> but Duffy could deal with them. He knew that they was going to flare up. He knew that they was going to be in war. He knew that they wanted to fight. Do you not know that some people love fighting? But I couldn't get to Duffy. His mother-in-law had died. And so, to make a long story short, the business meeting, we had a business meeting of our bridge builders. We talked about it. We said, what can we do to keep the peace? There was no riding in the street. You know why? Because we learned how to trust one another. We learn how to trust one another. We learn how to trust one another. And let me tell you something. You're talking about race talk. You're going to always have to communicate. You got to talk. Even if you don't agree, you got to come together. We learn not only how to communicate, we learn how to network. You know, when one of us needed something, the other one had it. And whatever resources that needed to be done around the town of Homer in Claiborne Parish or Hanksville or Athens or Lisbon, we all came together to make it happen for the brothers who was in the bridge building. The Monroe thing turned out okay. You know why it turned out okay? Because we learned how to trust each other. Not at the very beginning. Let me tell you, if, it's a, if it was a fight to break out right now, over the cross street at Louisiana Tech, if Lord Weaver was alive, it could be 300 black folks. It wouldn't make no difference to me. I, know who, I knew whose side I was going to line up with. I was going to line up on Lord's side because I learned how to trust him. And he learned how to trust me. Why? Why, why we need communication and networking? Why is it to keep the successful race relation? Well, because it's really exchanging information, exchanging ideas. And we all had different backgrounds. We came from different cultures. Uh, Lloyd believed in his Southern heritage. 
and I believe in my African heritage. But we learn how to respect one another. We learn how to respect. He knew Gus's birthday. He was always there for my children. He'd get on the phone and call sometimes and say, let's go ride it. And, and I would do the same for him. I knew his birthday. And I would call him sometimes and say, let's go ride it. What we need now, today more than anything, we need unity, but you gotta talk. You have to communicate. You have to exchange information and ideas. Nehemiah 4 and 6 says, we can be a bank when the people have a mind to work. Nehemiah had a mind to work. He asked King if he could go back and build upon the graves of his forefathers, and the king extended him that privilege. We can build back when you have a mind to build back. Wesley had a great idea. He had a great vision when he put this together because he knew that we was gonna need to learn how to build back. Let's, let's, let, let, me just, let me just come to a, a short conclusion. You know, as a Baptist preacher, we say, let me close about 20 times. <laughs> I think I'll close, I think I'll close, and we keep on and on and on. There's a way, uh, this is the way the story goes. The young lawyer hear Jesus talk about mystery and, and things unseen and things that are unheard. And, and so he decided he wanted to ask Jesus a question. What, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What, what, what can I do? What, what can I do to inherit? And Jesus said, do you know the commandment? He said, yes. He said, to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart with all of thy soul, with all of thy strength, with all of thy mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, you answer well. And then he was not content with that. He says, who is my neighbor? Who, who is my neighbor? Who, who, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus starts off with this story. He talks about a half-dead traveler, a man that was on the road at Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem to Jericho had been, had been beaten to death, had been almost to death, had been robbed. The thieves and the robbers came there, and, and, I, and, and something jumped up in my mind, John 10 and 10, when it says, Satan come that he might kill no, that he might steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. That scripture jumped up into my mind when I started thinking about this thief. You do know the devil's job is to mess with you, don't you? It's his job to get in your head. It's, his, it's, it's the devil's job to call confusion. Uh, Brother Ram, if he could have told a wrench into this, he would have done it too. 
but you all were prayed up. And so the devil's job is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he can't do anything with Jesus. And so Jesus said, I come that you, you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. So this half-dead traveler, Jesus tells the story about he was laying there. He was, he was, the thief had, had beaten him, had bruised him, had, had battered him. The, the, traveler, uh, the traveler was stripped of his belonging and, and left half-dead. And so Jesus said, the priest comes by and see the man, the priest comes down from his holy service in the temple and, and ignores the beaten traveler and, and, and bypass him and go across on the other side of the road. And church folks will do that. Church folks will see you hurting. And they'll pass by. Matter of fact, they'll make up excuses why they should not help you. And then here comes the Levite. The Levite seems to have crossed the road, looked upon him, judging it to be a helpless case, passed by, render no help. Just like the priest passed by on the other side. You know, I got some kinfolks like that. They have seen me hurting and wasn't there to do anything about it. They didn't even try to help me. I have seen folks in the church who know that you need help, but they would not be there. The Levite and the priest, listen to how Jesus puts this together. Listen to how he do. He talks about leaders in the church. He talks about leaders in the church. Now, he's talking to a lawyer. He's talking to a strive. He's talking to a professional yeah, but, but, but here he says they passed by on the other side. Now watch this now. I'm going somewhere with this. But the good Samaritan, the man could have said, look at this poor fellow. He's one of those Jews who will have no dealing with us, Samaritans. Sometimes he has even called me a dog. He could have said that. He, he could have said that. He, he could have said that. But, 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 but look what's going on. But, but instead of looking for excuses, he gives his heart to the man who is in distress. He pours all and wine in his wound. And, and back in the day, now look here, if I had some wine, I wasn't going to waste it. No, I'm going to drink that wine. <laughs> he pours all and wine in, in the wound. Now watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. He pours all and he pours wine into his wound, set him on his animal, on his beast, the Sumerian dove. Take him to the nearest inn or hotel, and the next day, he pays the bill and tells the innkeeper, if there's anything more, I'll pay you when I come back this way. And Jesus 
dismisses the lawyer with the ideal of being a neighbor. He asks the question, now, which one of these is your neighbor? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed love, the one who showed mercy, the one who showed compassion, the one who showed grace. And if we do this, we will inherit eternal life. I think about how many people have shown mercy towards me and when I really didn't deserve it. I've been mean, honorary, cocky, just downright nasty. I, I really had, I don't know how Gus has put up with me for 40 years, I really don't. I wouldn't put up with me. He said the one who shows love, who shows compassion, that's not a weakness, that's strength. That's stability. That's power. That's dumas. That's, that's power. That's energy that comes from on high. So, so we must remember that our blessings are not because of our goodness. Don't you ever think you're good enough that you don't need anybody else? Don't you ever think that you're, you're so good that you, and I love the way you all put that in there. Don't ever think that you don't have any sins. Your sins need forgiving. We must remember that our blessings are not because of our goodness, but because of God's tender mercy. I like to say it this way at New Hope. God looked beyond my faults, and he saw my needs. He looked beyond my sins. Matter of fact, it was Jesus that came down through 42 generations in order to die for our sins. And he was the bridge builder. He was the go-between. He was the mediator. He, he, he was the perpetuator. He's our atonement. He's the one that brought us together. And every time I think about a man dying for my sin, I just start praising him and thanking him. And because our faith and our belief in God there are no limits as to what God has in store for us. There are no limits. I dare you to love folks who don't love you back. I dare you to treat folks not. It's not how powerful you are with weapons or, or with your words or with your deeds. It's about what's in your heart. Your heart has more power than anything else. In the, when you love folks, when you show them you're going to love them in spite of what they do to you, that's power. Paul makes it very clear in Philippians 4 and 13 when, when I talk about there's nothing that, that God won't do for you. He makes it very clear in Philippians 4 and 13 when he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. And I'm convinced that the more we tend to minister to those in needs, we will not become selfish with our resources. We will not become selfish with our blessings. The more I talk, the more I talk to McCall Hecker, 
the more I became convinced that the Wesley Foundation under the direction of Brother Ryan Ford is a great ministry. It's a great ministry. And to sow seeds into that ministry, they need everybody who can, all of your family, all of your folks. You know, a lot of times folks used to say, I used to hang around Lord because he had a lot of money. That was true too. money for this organization, for this ministry. We need money. We, 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 need, we need some money. Uh, we want your love, but y'all folks got money. And you need to sow some money into this ministry. You know why I believe that Jesus used the man beaten or half dead? He, he could have said, you can tell the true tree by the fruit it bears. He could have used that. He, he could have said, he could have said, whatever you sow, so shall you reap. He could have used that to the young lawyer. But he wanted a blood offering. He wanted a blood offering. He wanted, he wanted the lawyer to see that sacrifice and service and surrendering to God is the way to the kingdom of heaven. He wanted, he wanted them to see a blood offering because he knew he was going to have to go to the cross himself. He knew that he was going to have to suffer lies, bitterness, hatred. He knew. Jesus was a Jew. He knew. His own folks didn't like him. So he knew. So I imagine he used the man that was beaten because he wanted to show that the sacrificial blood offering is the thing that he wanted. And now I'm finna close, really. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank God for each one of you, for your labor of love, for your efforts, for your kingdom builders. I want to encourage you to bring somebody else into this ministry. I believe this now. I believe this. Tonight I believe that the only failure is really failing to try. I really believe that. And tonight I, I really believe, I believe that the greater the obstacle, the greater the triumph. And God will get the glory. It's not about, you all are so humble. I mean, when I walked in, I mean, like I say, you know, I'm used to being around, you know, I'm on, on the state uh, uh, mineral and energy board. I, I'm used to being around. I, I've traveled all over the state of uh, Louisiana and, and United States. I've seen people. I've been places. But you all are so humble. You, 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 you almost take the mittens or the gloves off of a boxer because you undresses him. And you make the realness come out. And I want you all to stay with that. Don't change. Keep being who you are. Even when folks think you're weak, you're stronger than they are. And in that spirit and in that hope, I thank you for being my neighbor. I thank you for being my neighbor. 
And I pray that you really know what a neighbor is. A neighbor is someone who will help you in spite of who you are. May God get the glory and the praise. Thank you so much. Mm.